Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for January 12th, 2023. This is Brian Kirk. Following a string of weaker CPI prints, inflation appears to have crested in the second half of 2022. Easing commodity prices and healing supply chains have cooled prices, even with services costs still accelerating. But inflation remains very high heading into 2023, likely driving further rate hikes by the Fed in the coming months. To talk to these trends, I'm joined today by Nationwide's Chief Economist, Kathy Boschancic, and Senior Economist, Ben Ayers. Kathy, thank you for joining us today. Let's start with your take on the December CPI report, which saw a much cooler reading and the lowest annual pace of inflation in more than a year. So does this mean that we're out of the woods? Thanks, Brian. Happy to be speaking to you today. So the December CPI report actually came in right in line with expectations. So while the prior two months uh, came in a bit softer, this one came in as exactly as expected. Still positive reading in that inflation's receding. Um, headline inflation fell a tenth. Uh, when you take out food and energy, which is considered the core reading, it was up three tenths. But particularly, we focus on the year-to-year reading, and their headline inflation, as measured by the Consumer Price Index, slowed from 7.1 to 6.5, and the core reading, excluding food and energy, fell from 6% to 5.7. So you see that the core number is not falling as quickly as the headline. And really what you see in the headline reading, uh, particularly this month, but it's been going on for several months, is that energy costs, particularly gasoline prices, have declined quite a bit. We've unwound the jump up to $5 a gallon that we saw over the summer and, and back down to somewhere a bit over you know, $3, about around three and a quarter or so dollars per gallon. Now in the mix, what we also see, even excluding on the good side, excluding food and energy, core goods prices year on year have fallen quite sharply. There, the pace is actually 2.1%. That's as of December. And that's down from a double digit pace of 12% in, in February 2022. So really has fallen quite sharply throughout 2022. And we think the goods inflation has further downside room. Particularly what we're seeing is used car and truck prices actually are falling uh, quite sharply. They're they're down uh, about 20% or so from a year ago. We're also seeing used and car truck prices down 8.8% from a year ago. But we're also seeing some of the the price inflation in, in new vehicles coming off as well. What we're seeing is a, a combination of um, supply chains um, easing, and that's really a reflection of some healing there, but also because demand for goods has slowed, and that's allowing supply to, to catch up with goods. And, but the part of this dynamic is what you see is consumers have shifted their purchases post-pandemic. There was a lot of consumption of goods and have shifted it to services. So there, if we look at the service side, it, it looks a little bit different. There we see core services, excluding energy, still running 7%. It actually increased. That's the, the highest we, we have seen going back to the 1970s. So 7% on that. And you can contrast that 
again, with just around 2% for, for goods. Now, on top of that, and or as part of that, what we've seen is rental costs or housing costs um, continue to rise quite sharply. There is a, a measure or one of the key rental prices in, in uh, sectors in CPI uh, show prices rising 7.5%. Now, there's one other layer to this that makes it a little interesting is that the Federal Reserve recognizes that some of these rent increases we're seeing as part of the CPI report are really old rental updates. And the newer rental contracts are showing that rental prices are easing. So that means that we can look at core services X rents to get a really a better sense of what's happening with service inflation. And there, there, again, there's some good news, but not as good as it is on the good side. We see year in year, the super core services measure has come in at 6.2% year in year for two months in a row. It's down from 6.5, the peak in September, but it's still really high. So therein lies the, the, the conundrum really for households, for the Federal Reserve, is that the service side of the equation is still um, kind of running hot. And maybe to help dig into the details a bit more, Ben, because there is some unevenness, right, as we look across the, the data, what are some of the improvements that we you, you expect as we go into 2023 and looking at some of the underlying details, and particularly household budgets? What, what are consumers going to be struggling with as we go forward? throughout this year. Yeah, thanks, Kathy. You know, I think you did a great job of laying out at a high level how the narrative has shifted with inflation from where we were, you know, a year, year and a half ago, where all of the focus was on supply chains and the impact that it was having on goods. And, you know, used car prices were up 40, 50% at one point, you know, just kind of a, kind of the biggest example of what we saw the impact from the pandemic. And a lot of those are reversing. Um, you, you laid out used car prices in particular down 9%. But it is important to keep in mind that, you know, used car prices, you know, the level of used cars prices is still well above where it was in the pre-COVID era. So, you know, we have some improvement. We're seeing things coming down. Um, but because of the very sharp increases in goods costs that we saw, you know, over 2020 and over 2021 and really th- until about the middle stage of of 2022, you're still well above from a total budgetary perspective relative to a few years ago. But we're certainly seeing improvement. Um, you mentioned core goods prices. You, know, you see lower costs for clothing. We're seeing lower costs for appliances. So any of those factors that would be tied to you know, the supply and demand uh, across the market when you're talking about supply chains, you're seeing some pretty good improvement there. Um, you mentioned gas prices as well. You know, certainly that's going to be provide some improvement to household budgets as we look ahead to 2023. But there are some other sides. And you mentioned the, 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 the services side. We're seeing very high costs there uh, tied back to the very tight labor market. Um, you mentioned rents. That's a key component for many households. You know, rents are up more than 8% on the past year. That's squeezing budgets across the board. And really, just anything where you have to rely on the services side of things. We're going to highlight auto repairs, up almost 20% on a year-over-year basis. So things like that where you're relying on someone to do the work for you, um, and because of the very tight labor market and the very strong wage gains that we're seeing, you're seeing a lot of pass-through costs for many of those service and repair type aspects. And that's pushing up and yet again, squeezing the budgets we see across the board. And then finally, I want to highlight food. 
You know, food is a key component for many folks. We've seen more than double-digit price increases for food for much of the past year. Um, in December, we did see a little bit of a glimmer of hope. We saw that food at home prices only went up 0.2%. Um, this was the smallest increase on a month-over-month basis since March of 2021. Uh, so maybe a sign of things to come that we will see some easing of food costs. In particular, we have seen that agricultural prices have come down from their highs. Um, they're still relatively elevated, at least compared to where they've been in years past, um, but still seeing some improvement there. And hopefully that means that particularly when you go out and buy your groceries, we'll see a little bit more improvement over the course of 2023. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I appreciate that. As you said, you know, look ahead. Let's go ahead and look at the year ahead right now. You know, inflation seems to be on the downtrend. But everyone's probably wondering, are we ever going to get back to a normal uh, price growth again? Kathy, what can you tell us about that? And are there any upside and downside risks to our inflation outlook over the next year? You know, we're encouraged by the most recent inflation readings. And we think it's still, though, going to take time to get back to a, a normal pace of inflation. So the Federal Reserve targets 2%. And to be honest, in the prior decade previous to COVID, we actually struggled to even get 2% inflation. In fact, there was a concern that inflation was too low. But we we think it will eventually get back there, but it will take some time. So to give you some perspective, by the end of the year, we see inflation, headline inflation, you know, year in year running somewhere around three and a half percent. And it really takes as we get into 2024 and even beyond that, probably don't get back to 2% or towards the 2% until 2025, 2026. And it's really uh, what would Ben highlighted. The concern is now shifted to this interaction between um, a very tight labor market, which pushes up wage growth, that which in turn um, pushes up service costs because the service side of the economy is so labor intensive. So it's actually not enough just to see some cooling in, in the prices that we have seen so far. We also need to see the labor market cool off. Now, hopefully that can be done without having a large increase in, in employment. That unfortunately is not our baseline view. We do think that it, it's going to take unemployment going over to 5% to really get wage growth down. And and I would say that it, we need to see wage growth slow to somewhere between 3 to 3.5%. Again, that's what we had pre-pandemic. And, and even though we had some good news last week with the employment report, where average hourly earnings slowed to 4.6%, that's still at least you know one full percentage point higher than what it needs to be to be consistent with eventually getting back to, to 2% inflation. So again, we're, we're encouraged, uh, we're hopeful, but I think you know at this point, the Federal Reserve has still continued to be vigilant. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that about the Federal Reserve because, you know, Ben, following up on that inflation outlook we got from you and Kathy, what would this mean for the Fed if inflation does remain above trend this year and into next year, too? Should we expect more rate hikes? Do we expect more of these now at their upcoming meetings and how high could it go? Sure. You know, in the in the near term here, the you know, the easing of the inflation that we've seen in the past couple of months does take some of the pressure off the Fed. I think when you look ahead to coming meetings, there's gonna be a lot more focus on calibrating 
monetary policy to where we expect things to be over the next six or 12 months rather than having to really catch up. And, you know, in particular, when you think about Fed policy and the interest rate increases we've seen over the past year, much of the impact of that still hasn't been felt. And so they want to kind of see how that impacts, see how much that further decreases inflation over the next six to 12 months and really not want to move rates up too much. So because of that, we do expect we'll see some smaller rate increases. No more of the 50 and 75 that we've seen over the past five to six meetings. We're likely to see more of the 25 base point increases that we usually see from the Fed when you look ahead to the next two or three meetings. We do expect that we will see the federal funds rate, the lower bound for that, getting up to about 5%, likely by May. Um, So about another 75 basis point in total increase over the next three meetings uh, and likely topping out about that 5%. I still think there's some upside risk depending on how inflation comes in, depending how we see the unfolding of the reopening of the Chinese economy. If that does cause some more supply chain disruptions and some higher prices for commodities, given the increase in demand, uh, maybe we do see a little bit more rate tightening, but we think we've seen most of it. Uh, and likely to see smaller rink increases from here and likely, again, topping out about that 5% or a little bit higher for the federal funds rate. And once you get up to that point, the next question is how long do they keep it there? You know, we've grown accustomed to the Fed reacting quite strongly to hints that inflation is going up and that the economy is going into a downturn with very aggressive easing of policy. Um, we're not expecting that this time around, particularly because, as, as Kathy just laid out, by the end of the year, we're still expecting inflation to be right about 3.5%. Well, that's still well above the long-term trend of you know, 1.8 to 2.2%, right around that 2% inflation target that the Fed has. So, you know, still work to be done. And because of that, we don't expect them to have as much of a quick trigger on easing policy, even if we do see some increases in unemployment and potentially see a mild to moderate downturn starting in the second half of 2023. And so because of that, we're not likely to see the Fed ease until 2024. And even more so, they could wait a little bit further into 2024 before they start to ease off of the terminal rate that we expect for the Fed funds rate this year. And so because of that, that probably means that 2024 starts off relatively weak, and maybe we don't see some of that normal recovery until later in the year next year, or maybe even out into 2025, depending on how long and how high they expect they need to keep rates restrictive to maintain that inflation will get back to trend and will stay there. So, Kathy, you know, when we think about the odds of a recession this year, they do look pretty good. What is your take on that and what factors could cause the Fed to ease sooner or later when we look ahead to the outlook for the next two years? Yeah, you know, we see the the odds quite high. And I guess if there's some silver lining, we, we don't see the typical, we certainly don't see a severe recession and we, we don't even see like a typical average recession. It's more moderate because um, there are some positive aspects out there. The consumer and corporate balance sheets are, are still in pretty good shape. But, you know, I think, you know, at the, the end of the day, as you indicated, that inflation is really going to be calling the tune for the Federal Reserve. And I think also for the odds for recession, but also perhaps the, the duration and, and depth. If we get some uh, upside um, uh, surprises, let's say that China is reopening in a very chaotic way. It's abandoned its zero COVID policy. But does that put some 
pressure on commodity prices? Does this very steep disinflation we've seen in the goods sector, does that slow? Or could it be that China coming online increases and helps on the supply side and actually it could accelerate the, the disinflation uh, for you know for goods and and maybe we get some reprieve on the services side. I mean, there's this you know the the soft landing camp sort of looking for this miraculous disinflation and and if that happened, then you know, maybe maybe we would get out with you know a very mild recession. So we'll be watching the data closely, but our our baseline you know remains that we have a moderate recession. And then what the Fed has done already is quite significant, as you pointed out, Ben. And we do think you know going to five. So you think about that, that's almost five full percentage point increase in short-term interest rates. That reverberates across the economy in different sectors. Borrowing rates have really gone up a lot. So we see it in the housing sector, but we now see the manufacturing sector in contraction and perhaps the service side. We, we got some data last week that suggests some, some pain happening there. So you know, we'll be watching the data, but I think you know, if the Fed is going to be vigilant, and I think cautious, I don't think, as, as you pointed out previously, even if we go into a downturn, inflation has to be much lower and heading back to 2% for them to consider cutting interest rates. It's just a different dynamic and backdrop that we have right now. Thank you, Kathy. And thank you too, Ben. This has been a great discussion on the factors that could possibly swing our outlook. That's going to wrap it up for today. Make sure you join us next time for an update on consumer trends in early 2023 and how much longer that could keep the current expansion going. And later this month, we're going to take a close look at the GDP report for Q4. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive notifications when each new episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. Information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023. Nationwide.